0: Good morning, and uh, I hope it is a happy new year. I am so glad to be here. I am uh, Pastor Zachary Rainey. I am on staff here at Connection Point Church as a chaplain and uh, anything that Pastor Carlson wants me to do, (laughs) that's what I'll do. So today's going to be a little bit different for you. I hope everybody... Has one of these that you can see because at the after six of us take turns giving you a five minute piece of the sermon, you'll notice there are six points on this page. Boys and girls, do you see the six things on here? So we're going to have 10 minutes where you get to, as an individual or together with your family, you get to discuss or pray about. The six topics that we're about to talk about, all these topics are going to come under the, the heading of one thing, consecration, consecration. Can you say that with me? Consecration. Let's hear all the boys, consecration. Let's hear all the girls, consecration. And it's got four syllables, And it's not a word we use every day. So that makes it sound really difficult and a really hard word. Has anybody here used the word consecration yet today? Not until just now, right? Because we think it's a hard word, and it's not a hard word. It is something that we want you to focus on throughout this, the next 12 months of this year, hopefully every day with Jesus, you know. But consecration, according to the Lexum. Cultural ontology glossary. No kidding, that's a book I use. (laughs) Cleansing someone or something from sin and ritual impurity and then to dedicating the person or thing for a specific person. And so you think it's a difficult word, but I'm going to show you it's not. We understand consecration. As human beings, we understand consecration and devotion are synonyms. Everybody say devotion. If I ask, is that consecrated? I'm asking, is that devoted? Say devoted. devoted. There, so you understand consecration because have you ever been at somebody's house and you walk in and they have the guest towels? And you don't, you don't know, those are special towels and you don't know whether to use them, you know, especially if you're at your mom's house and you look, okay, am I family or am I guests? Do I get a Because those are dedicated, devoted for guests only. At my house, we don't have guest towels, but I am very particular about my kitchen towels. Kitchen towels are not for wiping artists' paint brushes. <laughs> they are not. Those are kitchen towels they are devoted they are dedicated they are consecrated so you on a human level you understand consecration because you you guys all have this stuff this boys and girls do you see what this is sammy's got this is a butter knife this is this is not this is not a screwdriver. <laughs> Are you listening? We, we think it can use it for every purpose. You know? I've seen people use it a screwdriver, and, and a screwdriver is, is not. Do you know what this is? Oh, right. This is a putty knife, because you guys don't know the difference between a putty knife and a chisel. Steve, would you ever use a putty knife as a chisel? <laughs> all right. And, then, and the other thing, everybody does this. Even, I have a whole drawer of these. Do you guys have a drawer of these, and they're all light out? And you've got every single size you can imagine. You've got one that fits your, your eyeglasses. And then you've got bigger ones. And you've got one so big, you think it's one of these. This, this is not, and I know what you guys are thinking, this has other purposes too. This is to stir paint in a five-gallon bucket, okay? Did you ever see one this big? If you ever got in trouble by your dad, you did. <laughs> but see, we, we do understand consecration because consecration is about the purpose of someone or something. Consecration in the Bible we read before the time of Christ that they would consecrate the temple as a sacred, holy space for sacrifice and worship. And there were people that were consecrated, called priests, who served and ministered. And then when we get to the New Testament, we find out that what is the consecrated temple of the Holy Spirit? We are. We should be consecrated. And who are, who, who is a kingdom of priests? we are consecrated. We are dedicated to God's will, God's purpose. You will never be happy until you give yourself to God's purpose for your life. There are lots of places you can search for purpose, but you're going to end up like that butter knife being used for every kind of purpose. Imagine a year where you are committed to the will of God and not thrown about by following one emotion over here or one feeling over there, but you're led by the spirit of God because you have dedicated yourself. I am devoted to God. Why do I exist? For God. Nothing else. That's what consecration is about. I have no idea where I am on time and uh, things like that. Oh, I have to say this though. There are false ideas that people get about consecration. I want to clear up right now. The reason it's an unpopular word is some people think consecration means making up a bunch of rules that you follow so that you can't have any more fun. That is not the meaning of consecration. Don't do this. Don't say that. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Don't go there. Um, Instead those types of things, living, just making up a bunch of rules. Oh, I'm going to have a bunch of new rules for 2023. I don't want you to have a bunch of new rules. What consecration is, is discovering the purpose of God in your life and following that. Otherwise we just end up in some kind of a uh, spiritual pride competition to see who's, I can pray better than you and I can worship better than you. And if you end up there, you didn't understand consecration. Consecration is not making, about making you worthy of God's grace. It's about getting more of God's grace just where you are, just who you are, just as a normal human being, more of God's grace. So the truth is exciting, though, about consecration. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11 says in the Lexham English Bible, Thank you, Samuel. That wasn't funny yet, but. It says, I have set God before me always, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Yes, my body will dwell in safety, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or hell. You will not give your faithful one to see the grave. You will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Consecration is about experiencing more of the joy of the Lord because you are drawing near to God. How will you draw closer to God this year? David says in this Psalm, I have set God before me always. Don't have God divided up in, don't have your life divided up into compartments where in one compartment, oh, that's, that's where God's allowed. And over in these other areas of my life, I have other interests. I have other motives. I have other... Let God be before you always. Everybody hold up your right hand. Boys and girls, hold up your right hand. What is near you that you can touch with your right hand right now? A person. See how important that person is? Jim Walsh likes to make fun of me because in my pockets, Jim, I have stuff, don't I? So I know with my right hand, I can find a pair of pliers a knife, and a flashlight, and AirPods. (laughs) But you know what's normally at my right hand? Yes, my cell phone. Coffee cup. You know. Okay, what's important to you is right there at your right hand. And this year, we need to keep God right there all the time, all day long, every day. They keep Him near because that's important to us. That's what our priority is. You can tell what's important to somebody by seeing what's right there at their right hand. They keep those things close. David says that David indicates here that there's joy in consecration, that having God with you always at your right hand will make your heart glad, make you rejoice. Consecration is the act of giving God the nearest place to you. How can I get closer to God this year? Consecration will change you. It will spoil you. You'll be ruined. One thing that will happen is you will not be satisfied. If you become closer to God, you will not be satisfied just to hear God's word and walk away unchanged. Another consequence of consecration is you will not be satisfied to be a spectator watching other people serve the Lord. You will want to be involved. Another consequence, you will be convicted about the way you respond to people around you, your coworkers, your family, your wife. If you are Getting closer to Jesus, you will also be compelled to bring him to other people, to share Christ with others, to lead others to Jesus Christ. And another consequence of consecration is that your joy will come from setting Jesus before you. At all times, you will find the greatest joy in having him near you. One final thing. See me skipping over all these pages? I want to talk to you about the word devotion because I said that means consecration, right? I'm not going to make you raise your hand and ask you, how many of you have devotions? See, devotions is a word we borrowed from the word for consecration. And it's a time that we dedicate to doing things that draw us closer to Jesus. And I will recommend that you guys discuss prayer during a time of devotion, Daily taking time to say, I'm going to talk to God and listen to God. Bible reading, Bible memorization, Bible journaling. If if you haven't started a reading schedule, start one today. There's a bunch of them. Read through the Bible this year. Fasting and prayer is another way. Bible study. Join a Bible study. Meditate on scripture and Sing. Those are all things you can do during a time of devotion daily with your family or as an individual. So how will you draw closer to God this year? I'm going to recommend that you have devotions. But consecration will also transform your interaction with other people. And this year, what adjustments are you going to make in your personal relationships? Here's Pastor Jim Walsh. I got my butter knife out of your way.
1: <laughs> it's a difficult thing following after Zach Rainey, right? Good morning. Adjustments. You see that word adjustments on there, and I know that some of you are like, adjustments, relationship? No, I'm good. I'm an expert. Everything's great. All your relationships are perfect, right? <laughs> okay. The truth is we know this. Um, as we look this year and we look into our life, we know that healthy relationships require Constant adjustments, always needing to do something except, I mean, other than knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, having eternal healthy relationships make life so much more enjoyable than anything else. Has anybody figured that out? I mean, even if you're not, even if your health is not great, if you have good relationships, life's different. It's enjoyable. Um, even if you don't make a bucket ton of money, but you have great relationships and people around you that love you. It changes things. It's awesome. You know, a poor man with a loving family and good friends is far richer than a rich man who is poor relationally. As a matter of fact, you guys, some of you know that there was that moment when a Jewish religious expert asked Jesus, you know, what is the, uh, the great commandment of the law. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, And then the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we know this. I know that we know this. I know this is not something that is unfamiliar. But the thing is, a loving relationship with God is, and that's what Pastor Zach was just talking about, having that loving relationship with God is absolutely important, and it's it's critical. But loving relationships with other people is also, hey, how's this guy? He's going to come up and help me out? (laughs) Yes, he's going to help me out. Um, but having real good, healthy relationships is a second right after your relationship with God. It's just so it's because the Bible you see that the Bible talks so much about relationships, right? There's just so much in there, and because the Bible emphasizes these healthy relationships, it's it's it makes it even more difficult and even sad sometimes when we when we have relationships that aren't healthy. And, and i know in a room this you know in this room represented and, and all around us in in our world there's there there are relationships even in marriages that are that are fractured and there's people that are going through tough times and, and sadly the holidays kind of emphasizes that if there's any kind of family or uh relation you know spouse relationships that maybe are suffering a little bit they seem to get amplified during the holidays uh, people get in a room together and things can ha- we you saw that during covid when people were locked, you know, there was that initial, oh my word, we're all, you know, in lockdown. This is great. But then after like a couple months, we went, wow. You know, things came out. Relationships that were fractured were, you know, those things showed even more. You know, you'll see that sometimes on a church level, some people will bounce from church to church and because they just can't seem to do well with relationships. Relationships are hugely important. And so that's why when Paul gives this, And when he talks about here in Colossians, he just gives us a little bit of an idea of how to consecrate some of our relationships and things that are going to be necessary to keep those relationships devoted and consecrated to God. It says in Colossians three, put on then as Christ's chosen one, holding beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. And if anyone has complained against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must forgive, and above all these, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. So if you that's, that's what he's saying here. Just practice this, and you're going to see healthy relationships. So, you know, we talk about relationships, and you go, okay, yeah, that's great, but the truth is, what do you do if somebody else isn't as committed to that healthy relationships as you? And that happens. Maybe you want to do these things that he's talking about, but, you know, it kind of depends on the other person too, Right? And you'll hear that, that kind of come up in conversation. But Paul says this in Romans, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So there is something, you know, there's our part, of course, there's always other, the other person's part. But the truth is, you know, if we commit to these things, regardless of what we see in others, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what the word is saying here. He lays out in this text that it'll change you, it'll, it'll make you better, because that's really all that you can do. That's all that you can control is you. That's all that you can be a part of is your own relationship, your own attitudes. So Paul talks about this. But here's the thing. It isn't easy to do that. So as we look at these things, I know it's not easy because that's what he, if you go back at the front part of the Colossians in chapter three, he says, you know, in order to do that, you're going to have to kill out all immorality and impurity and passion and evil desires and greed. You've got to get rid of all of that and you've got to put aside all anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech and lying. And you got to do all of that. And so that you then, after you do that, put on compassion and put on kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another. And so it's, it's there, all that to say, you can see there's great intentionality that is required in order to have healthy relationships. We have to cast off all that and then put on those things which suggests that your flesh and everything else in this world, is it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help you in this. And so we have to be very intentional to say, God, if I'm really going to be consecrated to you in my relationships, I got to get rid of all that and put on these things. Why? Because, and here's the great thing, is as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, God showed that same treatment to you. <laughs> and so now we have that. We have that as our example because he showed that same love to us. And so we can be thankful for him that we have that ability to do this, that in him, in Jesus, we have the strength to be able to walk in in that kind of compassion and humility and meekness to others. So it gives us the ability to genuinely love people regardless of how they love us because he loved us when we were unlovely, right? And so, which is another question that we're going to look at right now, which is, you know, what capacity has God called you to serve others? And because we have the love of Jesus in us, we're able to serve others. So here's Pastor Mark.
2: by reading a passage of scripture in uh, 1 Peter four ten through 11. It says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone ser- serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever Amen. And so this year, when it comes to serving, I want to share that there are four Ps at the heart of serving, okay? So you might have gathered that we're going to talk about six different topics. Now I've given you another four points to consider, okay? So that's 10 points. I know that's a lot, but just bear with me, okay? So the, perp- uh, the, the four Ps of service, the first one is this, the power of serving. There is power in serving others, not, not, not a natural power, but a supernatural power. It is not about giving power. It, it, it is not. I'm sorry, it is not about getting power. It's about giving power. Many people serve so that they can be served, and this is not a serving that pleases God. Power comes through purity. We need to be anointed followers of Christ, set apart for God's purposes, and ready to be used by him. In 2 Timothy 2, through 22, Paul writes this. So if anyone purifies himself from these things, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master prepared for every work, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord with a, from a pure heart. So the first P of serving is power. The second P of serving is purpose. The purpose of serving, the purpose of serving is for his glory. That is God's glory. After we have served others, they should say, God is great, not you are great. The purpose of serving is to lift the name of Jesus, period. Rick Warren says this, we serve God by serving others. The world defines greatness in terms of power, possessions, prestige, and position. In our self-serving culture, with its me first mentality, acting like a servant is not a popular concept. When we serve, we represent to the world, what Jesus looks like. So the purpose of serving. Number three, the plan of serving. The game plan of serving is to take every gift, skill, talent, and ability that God has given you and use it to serve others. You experience joy when you serve, when you do what God has created you to do. When serving, there needs to be intentionality, a plan to it, intensity to seize it, and intimacy to feel it. The plan of serving, and finally the passion of serving. The passion comes from the heart. In our world today, people have all sorts of passions, um, but we do have to have a passion to serve. Does it consume us? Do we head into work and say, "Who can I serve today?" Samuel Chaddock nailed it when he wrote these words: "Spirit-filled souls are ablaze for God. They love with a love that glows. They serve with a faith that kindles." They serve with a devotion that consumes. They hate sin with fierceness that burns. They rejoice with the joy that radiates. Love is perfected in the fire of God. I love that. They serve with a faith that kindles. So as we enter into this new year and as we're consecrating, I want to just encourage you to take some time. And in a little bit, we're going to give you some time and ask this question back behind me on this screen. In what capacity is God calling me to serve this year? Next, I'm going to invite Pastor Naren to talk about harvest.
3: All right, now I get to follow all these guys. Great. uh, So as we consider harvest, you know, many times I've been up here and we've talked about when we give, the giving isn't just about the money, it's about the people. So when we consider harvest, again, we go back to it's about the people. Who is God calling you to reach this year? As we look at the words of Jesus uh, in Matthew 9, he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Okay, what is our labor? Prayer. If we are not a people of prayer, we are failing at our labor. So what does that require of us beyond that? That requires us to be available, to create margin in your schedule, and then when we get the answers, whether we like them or not, we are required to be obedient Amen? So, moving on. If you are praying, if you are called, if you know that there's someone that you need to be reaching out to, we need to be doing that. And that is going, you're going to encounter interruption. As we look then at Luke 8, think about how many times Jesus was interrupted. In Luke 8, he's coming back from just delivering the demoniac. He gets off the boat, he's with the disciples, and he's he no more than gets off the boat, hits the sand and is swarmed by a crowd. He's just trying to get to his next destination. Is he shocked by this? No. So we should be expecting interruption in our day-to-day schedules. As he's going along, Gyrus comes up. My daughter's sick, I need you to come. He's now going, he's deferred from his destination. He's now going with Gyrus. Someone reaches out, touches his robe. Who touched my robe? Again, another interruption. Step by step, we see him interrupted, but because of his great compassion and love for people, he stops and takes the time to minister to what they need. Why? Because he spent time with the Father. And as we go back and revisit the word abiding, are we spending time in prayer? Are we spending time in the word? Are we encountering God on a daily basis? Are we consecrating and setting ourselves aside in a way that Everything that we do and everything that we are flows through who he is and what he's done in our lives. Now, if you're anything like me, and I hope that you're not, <laughs> I that that's uncomfortable for me. I talk to the young adults so many times about be ready to stop and sit down on a bench in the mall and have a conversation with a stranger. That's just always my go-to. And how many times we walk by someone and we're like, oh, I got to how are you doing today? It can be as simple as that. You're reaching out and you're acknowledging someone and what a great blessing for someone who might be lonely, who might be contemplating harm to themselves that you stop and take a moment and recognize their humanity, that they exist and say, hey, how are you doing today? As simple as that. Now, if it makes you uncomfortable, the good news is you're not alone. When Jesus left, what did he say? I'm going, but Who's coming? the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. Matthew 28, he says, I am with you always. You are never alone, so you're not going to do it on your own. The good thing is he's gifted you. You have everything that you need right now, where you're sitting, no matter what you feel about yourself. Cast that out and look to him and say, okay, I got it. Help me discover these gifts. Help me to activate them and help me to have the eyes to see and do what you're calling me to. All right? Now, Why do we need to do this? Because we're called to it, okay? The great commandment, love God and love others. If you have love for God, you will have love for others. That's just the way it is, okay? Now, what do we need to do? What's our action steps? We had a couple boards up here in November and December. We put names on those. I want you to go through a similar exercise and just be praying. God, who do you want me to reach? Because it is about your resources. It's about your time. It's about your devotion to Him. Because if we love Him, we will love those people. As Zach said earlier, reach out and touch what's next to you. Because it is about the least, the lost, those that don't know. We need to reach out. We need to be praying. God, who would you? send me to? Who would you have me pray for, reach out to, reconnect with? That's what this is about. So, start praying. Write down some names in your journal. Pray for them daily. Reach out for them. Invite them here. And it may be something as simple as a text, an email, a phone call, sitting down to them, sitting down next to them at the mall, at a restaurant, Picking up somebody's coffee that's behind you in line. Simple acts of kindness. And as we mentioned, it's about our resources and how we allocate those and invest in the kingdom. And with that, I'm going to invite Pastor Michael to come up.
4: Where is God calling me to invest in his kingdom this year? Man, that's a huge question. And speaking of huge, this is really tall. I feel short, but the word invest, I mean, come on, like invest as in see a return. I mean, that's really the same as asking God, where are you at work? And how can I join you there with my resources? It's to seriously consider using our time, our talent and our treasure as an investment in his kingdom. Now, A lot of you, you know, have retirement accounts. You have investments. You expect a return. And as we invest time, talent, and treasure in the kingdom, we should expect a return as well. As we sow, we should reap. Now, we don't invest just to get back. We invest to see a return of names added into the book of life as souls brought in but I'm just me and, and, and I have limited resources. That might be what you're thinking right now. And that's not a new question. In fact, both in Psalms and then echoed in Hebrews again, we hear the writers saying, but who is man? Who is human that you would actually be mindful of them, to be thinking of them? Well, folks, God's not only thinking about us, he's relying on us. That's a little daunting. And, of course, we're not alone. It's already been said that God sent the Holy Spirit to be in us, and he will forever be Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But the reality is we are his plan A, and there's no plan B. For his kingdom to come here on earth, for his will to be done more broadly here on earth, it's up to us to be obedient with our resources and utilize all of those for kingdom impact. So this year, as you prayerfully consider and ask where and how God is calling you to invest in the kingdom, we have to take time to listen to what God is saying. For some, his answers may come right out of the abundance of the resources, the time, the money that you already have. For others, it may just be wholesale sacrifice. As you pray, be open to whatever God says. He may turn your world upside down. He may say, I want to change everything, but we need to listen and we need to trust him for the faith to see it all the way through. Now, you might just be thinking, I'm standing here, we're talking about resource and investment, but I'm talking just about money. But the reality is, the answer to this question actually ties back into all of the other questions in this sheet. Now, of course, the simplest answer for investment is money, and every ministry needs money to operate. So it may be that you need to start tithing regularly. Or if you're tithing already, that you might need to dedicate more to kingdom builders or support missionaries on your own outside of the church or give in other ways. But the answer may also be opening up your schedule, your time, so that you can truly dedicate time to grow closer to God. It might be opening up your home so that you can invite people in as you adjust relationships. It could be using your time and talent together in service. But it's likely a combination of all these things as you go after God. Now, you might wonder how to answer this question. And Paul gives us a little hint as he was encouraging the church in Corinth. He said, you must decide in your heart how much to give And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who cheerfully gives. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left left over to share with others. So we decide in our heart. It's not pressure. It's not because I'm standing here or other pastors are standing here. It's not all that. Listen to God and obey. And if we do, he keeps on and he says, When you give obediently that way, you'll have plenty left over. So we get to decide in our heart. But really to ask and answer and act upon this question well, we have to examine our hearts first. We need God to show us if the desires of our hearts are healthy and pleasing to him. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Indeed, wherever your treasure is defines what the true desires of our hearts are. Think about that for a second. If we love God, we love our neighbors. The desire of our heart will be to see them into the kingdom. Retirement and will fade away. The need for security in a home fades away because the desire of our hearts change. And another word for change is transformation. So, As we take time over the next several weeks to pray and fast over all these questions for 2023, let's invite God to examine our hearts first and show us what needs to change. Let's invite transformation because ultimately, consecration to God is a transformation that takes place in our lives. And this year, what is God calling us to be? I'm going to ask Andrew to help answer that question.
5: Thank you, Pastor Michael. We're getting deep in the pastoral roster today. (laughs) Jeff, if you're watching, that was funny. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I don't know whose idea it was to have six pastors come up on a short Sunday and preach. We all know we're long-winded. Oh, yeah, that was Jeff. Um, I'm proud of us, though. I mean, we almost made it, but I'll be brief. What am I talking about? Life calling. All right. (laughs) Life calling. What is your life calling? I don't know. That's your job. you got to figure it out. We're not talking specifics on your job, although that is important. Um, you know, your life calling includes what you do for your job, It includes your talents, it includes everything we've talked about. But today, we're talking more foundationally on what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what that is, what, that, what are we called to do with that. Uh, the first thing is we're called to follow Jesus. In Matthew 4, 19, it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. As we follow Jesus, we are called to model our lives after him and spread his message to others. This means living out his teachings and his values in our daily lives. And we've kind of touched on that as we've gone through you know these six points. Um, it also means sharing the gospel with those around and inviting them to follow Jesus with us. Following Jesus requires us to be committed and dedicated to him, even when it's not easy or convenient. Um, I think, you know, if you look at church back in the day, a long time ago, it was not a place necessarily where we wanted to bring everybody to the church to get them saved. The church, what we do right now, what we're doing here is for equipping you guys Equipping of the saints to to live out the Christian faith, live out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in your daily lives. At some point, I think um, we just we we gravitate to the idea that let's just invite people to church and and let the pastors preaching do it, which we all know is amazing here at this church, Jeff. Um, but at the same time, I think we're we're really missing out on the true. Um, calling as believers to live it out every day at our job and in our interactions there are people in your lives that are hurting and broken and what needs to happen is you invite them over for dinner you show them who Jesus is by interacting with them that you can still invite them to church that's great we want them here we want them to hear you know the message but there's nothing more important there's nothing stronger than seeing Jesus in you. So that's, that is, that's what it looks like when we're followers of Jesus. The second thing is we are called to be servants of God. Mark 10 verse 45 says, even, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Serving others um, is putting, and putting their lives and their needs before our own is an important aspect of living out our calling. Uh, we, we touched on serving already, um, but serving others helps us grow in humility and focus on something that's bigger than ourselves. Uh, it's also, it also allows us to be a blessing to others and to make a positive impact on the world. So that would be the second thing. The third uh, thing that I'm sharing today is we are called to be holy. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. As believers, we are called to live lives uh, of holiness and the holiness of God that sets us apart from the world. That means living according to God's standards and not our standards. That's avoiding sin and temptation. It also means being set apart for a special purpose, and being dedicated to serving God. Living a holy life requires discipline and self-control, but it ultimate, it is ultimately the most fulfilling and rewarding way to live. Um, so that, you know, it's not defined as something really specific, but life calling, it's basically everything that we have said here today, everything, all these six points, everything we're trying to Uh, Share with you that is setting the foundation of this next year. Consecration is exactly what Zach was talking about. It's it's putting that apart, um, putting putting your your priority in what God is calling you to do, what um, He's done in your life. And honestly, it's it's not just the to do list. It's not just let's uh, make sure I check off the box and I read and I pray and I do that. Those those are important and you have to do that. That's part of it, but what really what I'm I'm wanting to to impart is it's about the dedication and the passion to just beholding who God is and to really see and 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 just focus in 2023. I'm going to look at who God is, what He's done for me, and and through that I'm able to experience the calling that God has for my life. It might not be specific, and if you have a calling in a specific job, that's great. It might change. God might change it. It might change this year. You never know. Um, but ultimately, truly dedicating ourselves to focus and just hone in on what it means to love God and to love others, um, that's the calling. All right, so Zach, uh, you can go, go ahead and come back up. We're going to close here. Sorry, that was, that was fast for you musicians, but, you know. Um, are you going to say this part? You
0: want me to say it? You say whatever you want no, to say. I was
5: now. just going to say, uh, while I was just closing, we're going to take time here, about 10 minutes, um, to pray as individuals and as families, or to discuss the six things, and Zach will lead
0: us through that as we, as we do it. Thank you. Get, get your uh, discussion guide ready for your family. It, six points in 10 minutes. This is going to go quick for you guys. <clears throat> so... Uh, If you're here as an individual and you want to discuss it with somebody else and ask them to pray for you, that's fine. If you're here, get your children, boys and girls, maybe you want to read the question to your mom and dad if you're here with them. So for, for about the next 90 seconds, you talk to one another. I want to hear your voices talking or praying on the question of how will I grow closer to God? Ask your children, children, ask your parents that question. I'll give you about 90 seconds to talk and pray about that.